CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, April 7th is just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank our sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. The Chicago Federation of Labor sponsors, as well as the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink. What I mean, just so many questions. If you're a clue, uh, clueless Chicagoan, get a clue. Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com. Subscribe and ChicagoReader.com slash Jarofsky, J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. There you will find our endless archive of Ben Jarofsky shows, almost to 1,000, almost to 1,000 episodes, guys. We're getting there. Wow. Wow. I know, right? It's just unbelievable. I was talking to uh, uh, Dave Glowitz about it on the phone. I go, it's just, it's just unbelievable. I, man, wow. D, I love talking. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Yes, you I do. I love talking. I love talking to people. I'm not just going to be walking down the street talking to myself, though I've been known to do that. Okay? I've been known to do that. Yeah, I'm going to let that cat out of the back. But I love talking to people. And, like, you know, it's out of nowhere. I got an offer from a radio station to come talk. Okay, they fired me, but still it was nice of them to give me the offer. And now I have the podcast. I guess I get to talk to people. See, sorry, Chicago, tangent. ChicagoReader.com slash Jarofsky for an endless archive of Ben Jarofsky shows. And you can become a bin head. What is a bin head, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. It's a way that you can support the Ben Jarofsky show. ChicagoReader.com slash Jarofsky. You can either join the Avenue, the Alley, or the Boulevard. Subscribe. Check out ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. For all things the Chicago Reader and the Ben Jarofsky Show. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Wednesday, April 7th, and live from my apartment and his attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, Mr. City Council. Oh my God, David Glowitz. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist. Oh my God, <laughs> Ben Jarofsky. Yeah, hello everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this MAGA for Dummies Wednesday, and here's why. Woke up this morning with a strange desire. I wanted to be a mega man. Don't know where it came from. When I went to bed, I was the same old commie, hippie, lefty, boomer guy, Ben. Hi. But when I woke up, I want to be MAGA. Just like Donnie Trump Jr. and Congressman Matt Gates. <laughs> what a, what a, just let me interrupt this flow. I already got a 
fundraising solicitation for Matt Gates. I got to give this kid credit, D. We can learn something from him, okay? I want you to study him. Guy's already sending out fundraising solicitations. He got caught in a very embarrassing situation, ladies and gentlemen. Matt Gates, congressman from Florida. Turns out he may have been, may have been soliciting sex from a woman, from a girl, really, uh, underage. And so he's flipping it. Got to give him credit. He's like flipping it because they're persecuting me because of my MAGA beliefs. Send me money. Anyway, that's what I did. I woke up this morning and I wanted to be like Matt Gates, but it's hard because all these talking points contradict themselves. So you utter one as though it's a rock solid anchored in stone principle only to violate it in the next breath with another rock solid anchored in stone principle that completely contradicts the first one. What we need is a manual, manual, mega for dummies. I'll give you an example. Number one, ID cards, the rock solid principles that all MAGA men subscribe to and said we must, absolutely must have state ID cards to be able to vote. And not any old card will do. So Dennis, don't show up with your Subway service sandwich card. The one where if you get the 10 little punches, you get a free Subway sandwich. Yeah. Uh, sir, your tuna melt will now get you six sandwiches. You're four away. Yeah, that, no. end, that ended like 20 years ago. So don't worry. <laughs> Don't come back with your Blockbuster card. I know you still have that old Blockbuster card, D. Also, like show it around. ended about 20 years ago. Well, yeah, <laughs> Every now and then, it's like, you know, he'll go up a bit. And, uh, I'm not saying I'm important or anything, but take a look at this. He takes out of his wallet a Blockbuster video card. I'm like, whoa. No, that won't do. Can't show the old Blockbuster video card. And you can't use that little, uh, little sticker, that little card you get from Dunkin' Donuts. The bagel races, you know, can't, uh-uh, that won't go either. Has to be a state-issued ID. Again, issued by the state, preferably a MAGA-run state. But then, when it comes to ID cards that's saying you've been vaccinated, like the so-called passports you're supposed to have when you get an airplane, no, it's an intrusion by the radical left on our daily rights just like a card that says you must have this card to buy this gun. Radical left alert. Radical left alert. That's the alarm for the radical left. Got radical left. They're taking our rights. They're making us sign up for their national registrar. They know who we are, where we live. Quick, give me money now. Oh, it's so confusing. So, which is good? ID good when you're voting. ID bad when you want to get an airplane. Okay. Let me get to the second confusing issue about MAGA, law enforcement. As a MAGA man, I've been warned that radical lefties like Illinois' Governor J.B. Pritzker are trying to take away our God-given most treasured right, which is not to wear a mask. So MAGA law enforcement officers are proclaiming they will not, under any circumstances, enforce Governor J.B. Pritzker's mask rules. Just read about this today in The Bright One, by the way, an article by Alan Sullender, shout out, excuse me, Andrew Sullender, my bad, uh, shout out to him. He's a downstate resident, I guess, or downstate native, and he sort of covers the downstate beat for the Sun-Times, does a great job. He has an article in today's Bright One D, Super Spreader Bar Unmasked, Downstate Villa Grove. Just want to make a little technicality. I checked it out on the uh, the map. And Dillard Grove is technically a central state. Just saying. Danny Mahopoulos gave me grief for that, making that mistake. Remember that, D? 
I said, uh, Chris Miller is from Downstate. He goes, Ben, it's actually Central Illinois. Get it right, okay? All right. Anyway, Miller Grove Establishment is behind a super spreader event. They did not require anybody to wear a mask. The name of the bar is Embarrassed. You ever been to Embarrassed, D, in Villa Grove? I'm embarrassed to say I have. No, I've never been. <laughs> have you ever been to Villa Grove? I don't think so. No, I mean, I've never been to Villa Grove. I feel, like there's, I feel like there's a lot of places called Villa Grove for some reason. That's, that's... I, you know what? It was funny. When I saw the story, I thought, oh, it's a suburban, like DuPage County. But no. It's about 200 miles south of Chicago, 160 miles south of Chicago. Anyway, the bar owner did not enforce uh, mask rules. There was just, uh, an event. A bunch of people have gotten sick. I'll read you from uh, Andrew Sullender's article in the Sun-Times. The February 5th event at the bar led to 46 residents contracting COVID-19 and the closure of the town school system of more than 650 students 11 days later, according to a CDC report released Monday. You know it must have been bad if uh, they closed the school system because they want to keep those schools open no matter what. (laughs) I wonder what Lori Lightfoot's position on that would be. Keep those schools open. Those infected by spread of the coronavirus at the indoor event with no outside airflow were 26 patrons, three staff members, and 17 secondary cases among individuals who didn't attend the event, five school-aged children, two student-athletes, and two residents of a long-term care facility, one of whom was briefly hospitalized, were among that latter group. Four of those infected had COVID-ID-19-like symptoms the day they attended the event. Wow. So people with COVID went to the event with no mask, breathing in each other's face, and there was a super spreader contagious throughout the town that just pretty much shut it down. Now, as Sonder points out, this down, uh, this central state community, I should say, uh, is represented by a sheriff, Joshua Blackwell, who made headlines for refusing to enforce any of J.B. Pritzker's rules. He's not going to do it. He's just not going to enforce the rule. And this is what Sheriff Blackwell said. If Pritzker wants to come out with guidelines, that's great. But as far as law enforcement standpoint, we're not going to enforce it. I'm especially not going to make my employees wear masks. They've all been offered masks. And if they want to wear them, they can. But I am not going to mandate it unless they are dealing with someone who specifically has COVID-19. Of course, you don't really know who has COVID-19. It's Again, <laughs> you can't have a... Uh, ID that says you've been vaccinated. You don't put a sign around yourself saying I got COVID. So it's like kind of weird. It's like, it's really, how's a law enforcement officer going to know? You're going to stop every person? Oh, sir, do you have COVID-19? If so, I'll put my mask on. Anyway, he said he's not going to enforce the laws of the state. Sorry, some laws are just too much of an intrusion to have to enforce. That's the MAGA rule. But wait, now we have a new law in Georgia. You can't pass out water bottles to people waiting in line to vote because that would be somehow or other an inducement to vote. So confusing. My dear friend, Willie Wilson, former mayoral candidate and one of Chicago's leading Republicans was passing out $100 bills. Remember that, D? (laughs) To people who showed up at... Was it like uh, voting polls and stuff? I supported. I defended Willie Wilson, even though he's a Republican. I defended him, and MAGA defended him too. Said he's just trying to help people out. So let me get this straight: it's okay for a Republican like Willie Wilson to give out a hundred dollar bills 
But giving a guy a bottle of water in the heat is the road to ruin. And what's the Joshua Blackwells of Georgia? You know, sheriffs like Joshua Blackwell of Georgia are supposed to do. Is it anti-liberty to lock someone up for breaking the law when they don't wear a mask? But passing out a water bottle? Get in that cell, son. And by the way, do you have to arrest the guy who takes the bottle of water as well as the guy who gives it? Do they have to confiscate the water? I'm sorry, sir. We have to take your water bottle as evidence. But I'm tasty. That's my uh, Eddie Murphy old man in the barbershop imitation for coming to America. Want to hear it again, D? Okay, if you insist. Yeah, it sounded like, but I'm toasty? What? (laughs) But I'm toasty. Oh, okay. I see. An old guy thirsty. It's the the old guy. The old guy who, for some reason, coming to America, the two, did not get invited to the wedding. Just saying. You could have invited him to the wedding, Uh too. Come on. He didn't get invited. Everybody else in the barbershop got invited to the wedding. He was th- the prince got married down in whatever country it is. He was toasty. They didn't fight the old guy, huh? He's toasty. He's toasty. <laughs> God, it's confusing to be a MAGA man. There's one more. One more confusion. MAGA's outraged. Outraged, I tell you. But Democrats call anti-voting laws in Georgia and in Texas Jim Crow. Mitch McConnell. Governors Brian Kemp. Greg Abbott have all said it's insulting to compare these laws to the horrific Jim Crow laws of the past. But wait, now MAGA's telling me that Jim Crow is bad? Wasn't that long ago that MAGA was telling me that Jim Crow was sort of good? Remember? It was all about defending state rights, MAGA? Standing up for your Southern heritage, MAGA? I thought there was no such thing as systemic racism. That's what MAGA was telling me just a little while ago. I thought it was anti-American to take down Confederate statues and change the names of bases from Confederate soldiers. I thought those Confederate soldiers were warriors too. That's what MAGA was saying just a little while ago. It's so hard to keep up with MAGA's ever-changing rules. That's why we need a helpful guide. Yes, MAGA for dummies, for all the dummies who are MAGA. We got a great show today, everybody. The legendary, the immortal, Dave Glowass, the man to myth, the legend, who popularized bike riding in the city of Chicago. Before Dave Glowatz, nobody rode a bike. After Dave Glowatz, everybody rode a bike. Straight it's true. ring. It's true. Now, <laughs> fake news. And now he's going to be here for our monthly feature of the Ben Drums Show, one of our more popular features where he breaks down the city council meeting that took place just prior to whatever we're doing the show, this particular show, and then plays clips for me to riff on. And he never tells me what he's going to play. Well, he did tell me that there would be one clip from my favorite orator in the Chicago City Council, Alderman Raymond Lopez, 15th Ward. So that's all I know, ladies and gentlemen. He's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve. We're going to take a Brief break, and we're going to bring on the great Dave Glowatz with the City Council Roundup when we return. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. 
things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader Stay Home Puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly newspaper since 1971. I'm sick of it! Every year! We give power to one person! I know, you're sick of it. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from my apartment in his attic. That man who's sick of it, of course, is Michael Bowes, who back then uh, was a state rep from central Illinois, downstate Illinois. I'm all confused. Where's Danny Bialopoulos when I need him? Uh, but he's since gone on to Congress, and he's not sick of anything anymore. He was sick of Michael Madigan. Republicans were sick of Michael Madigan. They were against tyrants. When it came to Donald Trump, they loved tyrants. Very interesting. Again, the theme of the day. we got these shifting talking points from MAGA. It's hard to keep up. By the way, before I bring on the immortal, the legendary uh, Dave Glowatz, I just want to say uh, thank you uh, to the folks at The Hideout. The virtual first Tuesday we did yesterday was uh, quite a show. Uh, Anjanette Young and Shapiro Wells was were on, were guests, Maya and my guests. I don't know if uh, any of you folks heard it. And uh, really powerful testimony um, from Shapiro Wells. She's been on the show. She talks about uh, her investigation into the murder of her son and uh, the, just the, uh, the obstacles she's facing. Just, it's, a, it's a very upsetting uh, story. Her son was shot about four years ago, and then uh, he went to police for help to take him to a hospital, and for some reason they put him in handcuffs. He ended up dying. Um, and, of course, Angela Young, uh, you know, is... Uh, she was in the news a lot about three or four months ago. She's a resident from the West Side, and police had a no-knock warrant, and they burst into her house. And she had just step, stepped out of the shower, and she was naked. They put her in handcuffs, and it turns out they had the wrong address. So very compelling uh, testimony of, from Anjanette Young and Chapro Wells. And oh, we have a recording of that show, and we will drop it on this podcast on Sunday. So if you uh, missed it last night, you can hear it. Uh, this Sunday. Very compelling uh, stories from Anjanette Young and Shapiro Wells. I want to thank them for coming on our show. All right. The man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Weber High School. Uh, he smiles as I say that, yes, it was many years ago, but uh, he's still a Weber, right? Dave Goatz, welcome back, young man. It's great to be here, and I'm always happy to be here and grateful to you guys for having me. And, you know, Weber High School is now, used to be a Catholic boys' school. It's now a Chicago Public Schools grade school. I, I was aware of that. I believe it's uh, one of the few junior highs in this yeah, city. They call it middle school. That's not not a name you normally see in CPS. It's that is correct. Suburban kind of uh, yes. nomenclature. Yes. Uh, uh, I went by junior. there the other day. It looks uh, it looks pretty good. They took, uh, it took some of the you know religious uh, artifacts off the facade, but otherwise it looks. You know, well, I hope so. It's a public school now. <laughs> you can, oh, we want to keep the religious religious artifacts up. Uh, it's a public school. Well, some of it's like in the masonry, so that's you know. Oh, that's a little more a little more challenging. Yeah. All right. Uh, so Dave Goetz inside Chicago government, and uh, once a month he comes on the show. Very popular feature. Very popular segment. 
uh, with diehard Chicago uh, political uh, politics fans. Really takes a deep dive. Get to know our aldermen, our city council, our mayor, how politics works in the city of Chicago. I think this should be a syndicated show nationally. Uh, that like Chicago just is. You can so much about how do- democracy works in the United States of America by uh, studying the Chicago City Council. So without further ado, Dave Gloetz, take it away. I think the word syndicate really is an appropriate term when talking about Chicago City Council. However, we'll leave that conversation for another day. I'm going to talk today about the full city council meeting that took place on March 24. And this was a five-hour meeting, which is a little longer than they usually go. And uh, I think that we're some aldermen who are ready, very ready to be done at the end. Dennis, we're going to do demo first. The first thing I'd like to talk about is the report by the City Council Finance Committee, which occurred near the beginning of the meeting. And the committee reported on its approval of a one-year building demolition surcharge pilot program in two neighborhoods, one in Pilsen and the other in Logan Square near uh, the Bloomingdale Trail, which some call the 606. And if you're keeping score, this is ordinance 02021-746. This ordinance, which did pass, I'll give that preview, is intended to combat gentrification by making it costlier for owners of multi-unit buildings to convert them to high-priced single-family homes and to and for owners of existing single-family homes to make sort of McMansions out of them. And this grew out of a uh, six-month pause on demolitions near the Bloomingdale Trail that the council approved actually in 2020. And what we're going to hear now is some discussion about the ordinance. And we'll start with Finance Committee Chair, 32nd Ward Alderman Scott Wagaspak. And let's listen. Item number two is a communication authorizing a proposed amendment to Municipal Code Chapter 2-44, composing a build and demolition surcharge tax pilot program until April 1st, 2022 in the Pilsen and 606 Trail neighborhoods. The chair recognizes Alderman Lopez. I rise in opposition to this ordinance. I understand my colleagues' concerns about fighting gentrification, but in many of those neighborhoods, the gentrification has already happened. I oppose this because we're not looking at where gentrification could happen. I also oppose this because what we are doing is not just impacting developers. We are impacting and quite literally stealing the equity from those families that stayed in these communities that were part of Logan Square when it was not the hip place to be, that were in Pilsen when there were more gangbangers on a corner than there were tours and tour buses. Those individuals are being robbed of the equity should they choose to now use their vehicle for personal wealth, their property, to generate funds for their family, to create generational wealth for their future. That is wrong. The chair recognizes Alderman Beal. I don't think this issue is going to pass legal mustard. I don't believe that you can have a carve out in one part of the city and raise fines and fees or permit fees in just certain areas. The chair recognizes Alderman Laspada. I'm incredibly grateful that we did get here with the collaboration of the administration with months and months with law, Department of Housing, DPD, the Buildings Department, 
we've worked tirelessly to make sure not only that this will pass legal muster, but making sure when a two and three flat is sold, that it is sold as a two and three flat to someone who hopefully has the wherewithal and interest and from our city, the incentives for maintaining that as relatively affordable housing in our community. There were some more comments by aldermen, and if listeners want to hear those, they could go to the Inside Chicago Government podcast episode on this March 24 meeting. So, Ben, that passed 37 to 12, which wasn't uh, a sweep by any means. And we heard a couple a couple of objections. One that was fairly interesting to me was Alderman Beal of the Southside's Ninth Ward said that he thought it wouldn't pass legal muster. And yet we heard Alderman Laspada of the First Ward say that, you know, we did our due diligence with the law department, Department of Housing, et cetera. And we, we think it's pretty, you know, it's cool. So, you know, I'm, I'm just, it's always, it's always interesting to me to think about how much um, collaboration or uh, uh, consensus building the advocates for a particular proposal are, have made, you know, to, to um, uh, potential opponents. And another thing that it leads me to is thinking about how in this era of video conference meetings, that kind of thing might get done where people are in the same room at city council chamber, they can walk around and say, Hey, what are your objections to this? You know, unless they pick up the phone now and do that, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, uh, by the way, I read the paper that uh, Lori Leifer will be bringing back the old fashioned city council meetings. So they'll be able to walk around and cough in each other's faces as much as they want. uh, Unless unless they pass that uh, ordinance, which got proposed a while back where they prevent them from, from talking to each other. Don't talk. (laughs) Uh, But it was a fascinating a, a bit that you, uh, you played. Thank you for playing it. Uh, Ray Lopez, Alderman Ray Lopez from the 15th Ward, uh, giving his uh, uh, people-like defense of <laughs> uh, of free markets uh, in real estate. Uh, and then uh, Anthony Beal of the 9th Ward uh, of finding his inner constitutional scholar as he opines on the legalities of the measure. I always love when Alderman raised up, they will the legal muster thing. It's un- it won't pass. Well, anything you pass that irritates somebody will be challenged. So then you're not going to pass anything. Well, someone's going to file suit. And my experience as a constitutional lawyer, even though I am not a constitutional lawyer, is that it will not pass. There's no legal muster. By the way, is legal muster what you put on a hot dog? Sorry. Uh, anyway. Well, um, we know that ketchup is illegal in Chicago <laughs> on a hot dog. But when I was listening to Raylo, all kidding aside, ladies and gentlemen, when I was listening to Raylo, Alderman Raymond Lopez of the 15th Ward, I had a smile on my face because uh, Alderman Lopez, whether you realize it or not, you're transforming yourself into one of my favorite aldermen, Bert Terrace. May he rest in peace. Bernard Terrace was the alderman of the 42nd Ward and the Gold Coast for many, many years. He was defeated. Let's see if Dave Boas knows this. He was defeated in what year and by who? David I can say most certainly that I do not know. <laughs> Brendan Riley defeated Bernard Terrace. And I believe the year was 2007. Don't quote me. Uh, but uh, anyway, Brendan Riley defeated uh, Bernard Terrace. And they said, oh, he's just, he's embarrassing us. 
uh, he's a clown, he's a buffoon, and all those rich people on the Gold Coast said, yes, right, we're embarrassed by Burton and Terrace. But one thing Burton and Terrace did, they had no appreciation, all those rich people on the Gold Coast, because Burton and Terrace articulated every opportunity he got, like this universal notion that private property rights trumped everything else in the universe, and that any law that the city of Chicago imposed that would limit the ability of somebody to do whatever they want with their private property was like the first step toward, I don't know, totalitarianism, communism, Soviet Russia. And he would always socialism, socialism first. And he was one, uh, Bernard Terrace with the, of the Bernie Stone school that began pretty much any sentence in a conversation with me, with Ben, what you don't understand is may he rest in peace. We had many arguments, but this is one of his pet peeves. So Raylo is following on in a great tradition of city council orders rising to defend the private property rights of ordinary citizens in Logan Square. And the notion embedded in it is that somehow or other, if you limit the ability of a buyer to do whatever he wants with the property he wants to buy, you're going to limit the amount he will pay the seller. I'm not even sure that's true, by I think the way. The, the, the more, uh, you call it the sort of the free market perspective, the, the more um, community-based argument behind Lope, Ray Lopez's argument is that it deprives the seller of the ability to cash in. That's what I just got finished saying. Well, so in, an area, in an area that's, well, let's, let's tease this out. In an area where property values are increasing, if you make it harder for that seller to to cat, to sell it to somebody who wants to pay a lot because they know they can convert it to something they can sell a lot, well, that, that's exactly what I was on their on their ability to yes. to, to to get wealth. That's that's exactly what I was saying, and so that's the argument that if in any way you put an impediment on what the buyer is going to do with that property, you lower the amount of money the seller can get for selling that property. And that is an infringement on private property rights and is the first step on the road to ruin. That was the Burton and Terrace argument, and I'm listening to it, and I'm hearing Ray Lopez, Ray Lo make the same argument. And I, my reaction to Ray Lopez is my reaction I had to Burton and Terrace. I actually put this to Burton and Terrace. I said, then, uh, would you allow for toxic waste dumps? in public, in, in any neighborhood. Somebody might be able to sell his property to be converted into a toxic waste dump. He get a lot of money for it. Conceivably, would you eliminate it? Are you against all zoning? And then Bert the Terrace told me, don't be a wise guy, Ben. <laughs> Which is, I presume, what Ray Lowe would say. But at some point, by the way, I don't even buy the principle. I'm not even sure how certain it is in real estate, Dave Goetz. Uh, you actually know quite a bit about real estate, but I'm not I'm not sure that in every single instance you will automatically get more money uh, from a person who's flipping your pop, your property as opposed, in other words, buying it merely to tear it down, uh, build something else there and then sell it. Or if he wants to sell it, build the Taj Mahal McMansion of his dreams. I don't know if you will automatically 
get more money. I don't know if that's ever been tested well, anywhere. Nothing's automatic, but you know, it's the law of supply and demand. People want to live in desirable areas, and they're going to pay more for it. Now they should. No, I understand. No, I understand that people uh, will want to live in desirable areas and will pay more money for an area that's desirable. What I'm saying, I do not know if this has been demonstrated across the board that a homeowner who sells his property to a developer who's going to immediately tear it down and build something else there, flip it, in other words, uh, will get more money than a homeowner who just sells to an ordinary buyer who wants to move into the house uh, anyway. Uh, So I don't know if that's... If 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 the developer is developing a McMansion that goes for a very high price, then yes, they're going to make a lot more money. But I should point out that... No, that's not necessarily true because the developer has to take into account the amount of money it's going to cost him to buy the land if he's going to flip it. This is the same... You can't have it two ways in the city of Chicago. So when you're underwriting a TIF deal and you say, well, we want to minimize to make it more affordable to the developer, the cost of developing it. So we're going to subsidize his acquisition price. Then you can't flip it around and say, well, the homeowner could get so much more money by selling it to the developer uh, who's going to flip it. I'm going, no, that developer is going to have an incentive to keep the acquisition price lower because he's got to, do whatever he can to keep his ultimate cost of his property when he puts it on the market lower so he makes more money. And let, me identify, saying, let me identify the, the actual additional cost this ordinance uh, provides for. It's for someone who is selling their home in this area. And if a developer, uh, if it sells it to a developer and a developer files plans such that they're going to tear it down, what that will cost the developer is $15,000 if it's a single-family home. And if it's a multi-unit dwelling, it'll cost the developer $5,000 per unit. So if they're, you know, if they're going to sell the thing for, say, half a mil, that might be a drop in the bucket. And that is, is in fact, what some of um, the aldermen who are in favor of this proposal, but feel it doesn't go far enough, say that that's just, you know, a pittance. There, coincidentally, is the next thing we're going to listen to is all about this restriction around zoning. Shall we Shall we go to that one? You look pensive like you want to, like, there's more you want to say about this. No, I'm looking, I, I, no, this is my looking out the window, thinking about <laughs> what you're saying, like, this right. is my, I'm, I'm looking and thinking, and I notice I'm stroking my chin. Uh, I've had, record, folks, he is <laughs> and I'm like waiting for the train to come by. This is one, by the way, one of my favorite topics. I have to say, I, and again, all improv. Dave Gollitz did not tell me we we're going to have this conversation because I've been having this discussion slash debate slash argument with people 30 years because it gets into the whole issue of like the city taking property and eminent domain cases uh, for development, saying there's a best and higher use for it that trumps the person's private property rights to hold on to his property. I remember having this argument with the, the illustrious Bert Nateris. Oh, so you're uh, going to love this one. Dennis, we're going to do zoning next. This one uh, came out of this, this clip we're going to hear now came out of the report of the city council zoning committee which had passed before this meeting a set of new zoning regulations to address environmental concerns 
for developments in what's called planned manufacturing districts. These mm-hmm. areas areas where the city used to sort of protect the uh, neighborhood from residential, let's call it encroachment, so to preserve manufacturing businesses and jobs. Uh, but those are sort of starting to uh, go by the wayside. For example, Lincoln, what is in, now known as Lincoln Yards on the north side is formerly in a planned manufacturing district. So this ordinance, which uh, for those keeping score is SO2020-4590, was actually introduced in the autumn of 2020. And it was stimulated in part by the much advertised move of a recycler, a scrap iron recycler called General Iron from the aforementioned uh, Lincoln Yards area, the North Branch of the Chicago River to the far south side. And we'll start with the Zoning Committee Chair, 44th Walderman, 44th Ward Alderman, Tom Tunney. Let's listen. A text amendment of Municipal Code Title 17 regarding requirements associated with manufacturing in planned manufacturing districts. The chair recognizes Alderman Ramirez Rosa. I'm disappointed that this does not have the support of any environmental group. The chair recognizes Alderman Laspada. I would similarly like to be recorded as a no vote. The chair recognizes Alderman Jeanette Taylor. I'd like to be recorded as a no as well. The chair recognizes Alderman Rodriguez Sanchez. In solidarity with all of the environmental groups that did not sign on or supported this ordinance and with the recognition that we could have done much better, I am a no. The chair recognizes Alderman Harrison. I also would like to be registered as voting no. The chair recognizes Alderman Sedlowski Garza. When this ordinance was first introduced, every development went to the Zoning Board of Appeals. The environmental group signed on to that because they felt that it was a community process, but the large recycling facility that has been in my ward for 29 years, when they wanted to merge with the recycling facility from the north end, it was sent to the ZBA for a special use permit. My community showed up to that ZBA and no one listened. Nobody on that ZBA listened. And here we are three years later with all hell breaking loose because of the recycling facility that's coming to my ward. So the ZBA was not the answer. We found a compromise. And when people talk about not meeting with the environmental groups, in the six years that I've been in office, I had my chief of staff pull my calendar. I've met with these folks 91 times. The issues that are in this ordinance, the air quality survey, the traffic study, the banning implosions, the banning incinerators, the banning landfills, no one knows these issues better than me because we had incinerators in my ward. I have nine landfills. All these things are now put into place and those environmental controls never existed before. Is it perfect? No. Do the developers like it? No, because now they all have to build to the green sustainability policy. The chair recognizes Alderman Rodriguez. I initially signed on to this ordinance very, very early. I stuck with this ordinance for months, but in the last waning days, there were concessions and those concessions were to industry. And those concessions to industry were at the expense of the months of conversations with environmentalists, who at the end of this, not a single one chose to support this ordinance. I think that when we study our history and we look particularly at the federal government and at industrial regulation, we find that whenever we go after industry to be more accountable to community, more engaging, the sky falls. The chair recognizes Alderman uh, Thompson. 
And the big difference, I think Alderman Garza touched on, by sending something to the Zoning Board of Appeals doesn't provide any environmental protection. The chair recognizes Alderman Laspata. What was first introduced, the initial draft of this was really exciting, was genuinely transformative. When it was moved from review by the Zoning Board of Appeals to the Plan Commission, was a strike that was a tough one to take, in part because our neighbors want to know that there is a deliberative process. It might not always be as fully democratic as they would like, but they want a public deliberative process. When the carve-out was made for transportations and logistics and warehousing, that was where I had to move towards being a no vote. And the chair recognizes uh, Chairman Tunney. I know that we as a city are going to have to maintain strong, clean manufacturing and our logistics as the center of the country when it comes to rail, airports, and uh, freight traffic. So these are not you know, the cleanest of industries, but they are so essential to keep our economy and our employment there while still improving our environmental standards. Very interesting, like uh, differences in perspective. And one of the key ones that I wanna highlight, and I'd like to get your impression of this, Ben, is, a, is the difference in perception as to whether public's the public's concerns will be addressed if the approval goes to the Chicago Plan Commission, which is apparently what this ordinance does in terms of uh, approving new uh, sort of manufacturing facilities and neighborhoods, as opposed to the, the body called the Zoning Board of Appeals, where evidently the approval was before. And we heard both uh, perspectives that some, like the Alderman Sousadlausi Garza of the 10th Ward feels that at the ZBA, there wasn't enough protection for citizens. Whereas this, uh, this, this uh, ordinance calls for now the Chicago Plan Commission, which is a, a body that approves also things called plan developments, which are uh, colloquially called mega developments, also is a, the approval body for that. Comments, Ben? Yes. First of all, Sue Sadlowski Garza, Alderwoman of the 10th Ward in the far southeast side of Chicago, good friend of the show, hasn't been on in a while. Come on, Alderman Garza, come back to the show, okay? Uh, Sue Sadlowski Garza, I let me put it to you this way, uh, Dave Glowatz. There's no difference, in my humble opinion, this is just my opinion, there's no difference between sending uh, a proposal like General Irons, to the Zoning Board of Appeals or sending it to the Plan Commission. And that what I'm about to say, I will recognize, I recognize will sound cynical and jaded, skeptical, and you, Dave Gloatz, will say, Ben, you're being unfair to the city of Chicago. Okay, so I'm going to say it anyway, and then you can defend the city of Chicago. Which is my role. Yes. But you should hear him, by the way. This is the biggest freaking lefty in the world. But he comes on this show, it's like, um, I have no opinion. Journalistic objectivity, <laughs> I like to call it. Yeah. Anyway, he used to give me a hard time for voting for Democrats, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just saying that. Anyway, I'm just going to put this out there, Dave, and you're going to vehemently disagree with me. There's no difference between the ZBA and the Plan Commission. Stop pretending there's a difference. 
They're both appointed by the mayor. They both generally do whatever the mayor says. They're both waiting for their instructions from the planning department. What do you want us to do, Madam Mayor? Before it was Madam Mayor, it was, what do you want to do, Mayor Rahm? What do you want us to do, Mayor Daly? And they did what they were told. So what difference does it make if you go to the ZBA, the plague? Why don't we just reverse it? Just have them send it to the Board of Education. Speaking <laughs> of another rubber stamp on, just send it to, I think every month they should send it to a different mayoral <laughs> Today it's going to the Park District because it's just going to be the same result. They're going to go, oh, we listen to the people. We listen to our lawyers. We listen to the experts. Science has prevailed, and we think it's a good idea to stick this big, noisy crusher. <laughs> hey, what do you think about this idea to have in some of these boards, like the school board or uh, a, a police accountability board, be selected like people for jury duty? In other words, at random. <laughs> Probably better than what we got now. In fact, there will be no like uh, uh, campaign contributions that base your appointment, right? It'll be just like you, you know, same for jury duty. You got to show if you don't show up, you got to have an excuse why. And you're going to decide on relocation of the manufacturing facility on the outside. If they did criminal trials. The way we do zoning approval <laughs> in the city of Chicago, the, the jurors would look at the prosecutor and go, "What do you want us to do? Okay, what do you want? You know, I remember the uh, the Community Development Commission, which is the uh, mayoral appointed entity that oversees TIF deals. I used to go to their meetings all the time and tell you, I can't take it anymore. I just said, I can't go anymore. And they would sit there. Well, every now and then it would be a controversial matter. And they would have to decide, make a decision as to whether they approve the TIF deal or whether or not. And sometimes it would be, most times it was just like rubber stamp, rubber stamp, rubber stamp. And they would just spend the whole meeting complimenting the city planners. Your wisdom is just beyond reproach. Can I just take this moment to thank Mayor Daly for just being the wonderful mayor that he is? That was the, the standard of... Uh, of, of debate in the community development commission, but every now and then there'd be a contested matter and people from the community would come in arguing a, and then another group would come in arguing B and then a CDC community De development commission manager would say, I don't understand why you didn't work this out before. So we could just approve. And I'm like, uh, hello, CDC. That's why you're there. <laughs> you're supposed to be a quasi judicial body. That's as objective as Dave Glowatz. You see how he will not, reveal how he votes or thinks that's how you're supposed to be well but instead no they're just rubber stamps so i believe that from now on they should just rotate it so next month the uh, police board should hear on whether they allow general because it won't matter they're just gonna go uh boss what do you want us to do okay i like the, I like the jury idea myself i think that's got a lot of uh, it's got legs Let's go. Let's try it. We'll try the jury idea one year and then the other. So the point is, it's like this was a done deal. We've talked about General Iron. Oscar Sanchez was on the show, the, one of the hunger strikers protesting the General Iron uh, facility coming to the south side. They, they, this was a very complicated deal. They wanted to open up the north side for a really lucrative development. Uh, this gets back to the issue of Raylo. You got to take restrictions off so people can make the most money. 
So we were going to uh, fortify, we are going to underwrite the developers, the development of the Lincoln Yards property, the Lincoln Yards project on the north side of Chicago with $1.3 billion of your property tax dollars. But to do that, to make it work, they had to get this really noisy, obnoxious crusher operation <laughs> out of the way. Now let's just stick it on the southeast side. No one will care about it. And but so then they, that 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 facility, General Iron, is not in the Lincoln Yards footprint. It's that is correct. It's across door to it. It's it's across the river. No, it's on the same side of the river. It's across the street. How much would about? I'll bet you any amount. You're talking. <laughs> you're talking to who? Are you talking to? <laughs> I live three miles from there. I uh, this this will be. Uh, the you know if right, you know, we, for, we could bet lunch because I know I want to bet lunch because I got my second going, shot. When are you going back to restaurants? Um, that's a really tough question. Well, this will be for lunch. Uh, you have to buy. Yes, it. no, I, I definitely <laughs> want the lunch. I, there's that pancake house that I have dreams of that I want to go. Uh, so I'm about two so weeks away. I want to make sure you don't wiggle off the hook here. It is a boat across the street and across the river. Oh, look at what are you, John Kerry. I was for the bill before I was against <laughs> you're telling You're telling me it's not on the same side of the river, but it is. Lincoln Yard straddles the river. Okay, fair enough. I'm viewing it from the perspective of the... Right, we'll uh, we'll right call this the one a draw. You okay. All right, we'll just split the cost. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. So anyway, the point is they had to get that noisy facility out to facilitate the development because you can't have this brand new spanking upscale development right next to this noisy thing. They move it to the south side. All of a sudden, environmentalists protest, residents protest. Uh oh, we're we're spoiling the narrative. So now they're stuck. Now they're stuck. Dave Goletz. And uh, the reality is, in my humble opinion, and this is where you're just going to really disagree with me, I don't believe the city of Chicago, by and large, does a good job of adjudicating, I like that word, adjudicating these kinds of disputes. By and large, the city of Chicago, basically, their attitude is, what do you want, boss? We'll take care of you. That's my attitude, having covered politics in the city since 1981. So um, anyway, that, so does it matter if it goes to the ZBA or the Plan Commission? No. Well, if you can get Alderman Garza on, I would love to hear why she thinks this works better. So, but I would I re- reach. You can't know that. Come on, Sue. You know I love you. Okay, <laughs> come on back to the better house. <laughs> All right, on that note, let's move on, shall we? Okay. Dennis, we do income next. So another committee report that the city council heard on March 24th was the Committee on Economic Capital and Technology Development, and they passed a resolution calling for hearings on a guaranteed income initiative. Now, interestingly, some history here, this grew out of recommendations from a task force created in 2018 by Mayor Rahm Emanuel and your former alderman, whose name is... Amaya Pawar. Correct. I didn't know you were, that was a trivia question for me. <laughs> it was just a pause. And I go, wait, does he, is this a trivia question for me? Or is he just having a mental blank as to who my alderman was? So I quickly had to come to your rescue. So yeah, this was a, um, a recommendation uh, to provide to the poorest Chicagoans some guaranteed monthly income. And according to this resolution that uh, the March 24 council meeting considered, the city would fund a pilot of this program via $5 million. And according to the resolution, quote, through multiple funding sources, including, but not limited to, 
President Biden's American Rescue Plan, public-private partnerships, and additional revenue streams, unquote. We're going to start with Committee Chair 36 Ward Alderman Gilbert Villegas. Let's listen. The committee recommends passage of the following item. Resolution calling for hearings on implementation of guaranteed income initiative and cash-based programs and policies to help working people and families become more resilient to financial emergencies for which a hearing was held on the same date. Alderwoman Haddon would like to speak on the resolution. We're met with a real challenge here, an opportunity to bring Chicago forward for Chicago to be a leader. Working on a guaranteed income pilot is going to be a direct benefit to our residents. We have had the experience over the last year of facilitating direct payments. We've got other cities in our country who have stood up and showed us the way we're getting data from some of these first pilots. The city council with a real opportunity to try something different, and I'd say even a, a mandate to do things differently. The chair recognizes Alderman Irvin. Until we deal with the issue of reparations in the city of Chicago, there's no way in hell we can support direct payments to anybody other than the American descendants of slaves in the city of Chicago. I think these conversations are slapping the face to people that have suffered great atrocity through time in this country and to not have either something in parity or something remotely resemblant, something to help us as American descendants of slaves, I think it's something that, that we really need to think about prior to doing this. Alderman Haddon. I wanted to support some of what Chairman Irvin had to say and make sure that our colleagues know that this universal basic income or guaranteed income pilot is not designated for any subset of people. And I think that in conversations with colleagues, there is a lot of synergy and a lot of discussions to have. And we've got this great subcommittee on reparations and we need to be moving forward together and talking about reparations and talking about guaranteed income as well. The chair recognizes Alderman Lopez. To Alderman Irvin's point, yes, reparations is a discussion all to itself. We have a subcommittee for that and Chairwoman Stephanie Coleman met and has done a great job taking those first steps for Chicago. The chair recognizes Alderman Cardenas. I'm flummoxed, to be honest with you, with, uh, with the resolution. I, I must be missing something on, on our finances. We just raised property taxes just last October. People are losing their homes. There's gentrification. There's displacement going on. Uh, I don't disagree with the need, though. I don't know how you pay for that, and I don't know how you can tax people from various parts of the city evenly, and I don't know how you can convince them that that's something that is coming out of their pocket to go into somebody else's pocket that's going to make the world a better place. But I stand uh, with my colleague Jason Irvin on this. Priorities, priorities, priorities. The chair recognizes Alderman Vasquez. Thank you, Madam President, for the opportunity to speak and to help unflummox those who may feel flummoxed. As the vice chair of the reparations subcommittee, I absolutely respect and agree with Chairman Irving that we need to make sure that there is parity and that the African descendants of slavery are seeing reparations, which is something we formed a subcommittee to talk through. As far as revenue streams, there is a cannabis revenue to have a conversation about. We have the federal funds coming as well. I do believe as shared by Alderman Lopez, that we have the most impact when those dollars are put directly in the hands of neighbors across the city. Where would you find the money? I don't see that same conversation when we talk about the CPD budget, which is 1.7 billion or adding federal funds to that budget, you know, when we don't get results when it comes to public safety. The chair recognizes Alderman Rodriguez. 
I do feel like we need to correct the record. There is no sector that we know that stimulates our economy more than working class people. And when we put money in the hands directly of working class folks. The chair recognizes Alderwoman Michelle Smith. I think that a federal approach to this issue is much more reasonable and justified. Our city is climbing back from the financial abyss. And I don't think that we should repeat the errors that we made in the 2008 crisis, which was to spend every dime that we could think of. And then when the first recession hit, we had to sell the parking meters and then use up all those assets. The chair recognizes Alderman Spizzato. So all this is just discussion about possibly doing something like this, universal basic income. This isn't approving any universal basic income, just about creating a discussion. Is that correct? That is my understanding, Alderman. All right. Well, thank you. I don't know why we have to vote on this, but okay, now I understand. It's always nice when Alderman Spazzato gets the last word. I love Spazzato. Kind of bring it down for us, right? I just want to add again that if listeners want to hear more Alderman's comments, you can hear them at the Inside Chicago Government podcast episode on this meeting. So I, I just want to point out, Ben, that a couple of the people we heard talked about a subcommittee that uh, studying reparations, and that was created by the council in September of 2020, and it got part in the council's committee on health and human relations. So that's um, something that's ongoing, but apparently they're not. Uh, you heard that the vice chair, Alderman Vasquez and uh, the chair, Alderman Coleman, who we did not hear from, apparently on the different sides of the, 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 um, the issue on whether this universal basic income should get even considered. This isn't to pass it, as Alderman Spizzato said. This is just to talk about it. And we heard Alderman Irvin, Jason Irvin, say that, uh, no, we shouldn't even talk about it unless we're having, you know, we're resolving the issue of repar- reparations to descendants of black slaves. And last thing I'll say before I go to you is that this resolution passed 30 to 18. Okay, 30 to 18 passed. Yeah, uh, this is, uh, Spazzato was great at the end. Uh, let me just clarify this. That there was There's ab- absolutely nothing at stake. This is purely a symbolic vote. Yes, okay, okay. So this is uh, like a talking point opera. You want to know why this meeting lasts five hours? There's moments like this. Uh, every single person has an opportunity to speak out on this issue in such a way as to fortify their standing with their base. So uh, whatever they tailor whatever they're going to say to get people to nod along going, I agree with that. And so as such, I'm sitting here, by the way, thank you so much for doing this, Dave. I really, this is so much fun for me. Uh, I'm sitting here going, I agree with that one. And I agree with that one. I was like agreeing with absolutely everybody. Uh, What a a tough job it is for Alderman, isn't it? Except for, (laughs) I have to say this, Michelle Smith, Alderman, Alderwoman of the 43rd Ward in Lincoln Park. That's a federal response vehemently, vehemently disagree with something you said. Your interpretation of what led to the parking meter sale. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I could not leave that one out. (laughs) I mean, somehow or other, when she's done explaining why Mayor Daley thought it was a good idea to sell the parking meters, it was because he was doing his fiduciary responsibility to pay the bills as opposed to an inside deal benefiting a bunch of inside players and the dummies of Chicago go along with it. 
By the where, way, where, where was she when that uh, 2008? Like, she wasn't she, an alderman. Then. She was, is, pros- was she a prosecutor at that point? I, I don't know. She was uh, She was elected, I want to say, in 2015. I remember Michelle Smith. Uh, she may have been a federal prosecutor. I don't know the answer to your question. Uh, I remember, oh, my God, Nick Spazzato. It's coming back. It's a flood of memories. <laughs> Nick Spazzato convened a meeting at a pizza parlor on the northwest side of Chicago in approximately, don't quote me on the exact date, but I believe it was around 2007, thereabouts, uh, and they invited me, me, David, me, your humble little servant here, to come speak to these wannabe aldermen. There was all these people who were uh, wanting to run for office, running to run for aldermen, had either run run once and lost, and we're, we're going to run again, and we're running for the first time. And in that room was uh, Nick Spazzaro, well, he convened the meeting. Uh, Michelle Smith was there. This is before she ran in the uh, 43rd Ward. And they asked me to come talk about TIFFs. It's a very important issue. God bless you, Nick Spazzaro. Uh, so what, what year was that? Yeah, you know, I'm so old, and there's been so many years. I want to say 2007, I'll bet Nick Spazzato, now, Ben, you're wrong. You know, so, if he was so this here. places Michelle Smith in Chicago. I was yes, oh, my God, she where, was in Chicago. Where, where is the narrative that she had about the parking meter deal come from? <laughs> this, the mayor's office? She was, that, that was a whole, that was a creation of Mayor Daly. Hey, did and you I, notice, what I, you notice what I'm wearing? Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Folks, this is an inside joke. Uh, Mayor Daly's bicycling ambassadors. I used to tease the bicycling community in the city of Chicago mercilessly. And this is where Dave Glodge would stand up for his fellow cyclists. I would say the biggest sellouts uh, for uh, to Mayor Daly's uh, city, the way he governed Chicago, are bicyclists, part of the organized bicycling community, because Daly put in a bike lane, and just like that, Bicyclists everywhere go, what a wonderful mayor. He cares about me. And then he would have a bike to drive. Remember that one, Dave? Mayor Daly, don't criticize him. Hey, here's a a trivia question. You know who created the Mayor Daly's Bicycling Ambassadors Program? Dave Goetz. Well, I guess I got to buy you lunch. (laughs) Dave Goetz was a powerful player in the Daly in the years. (laughs) Kind of red. Things wouldn't go. You know what? You know who would decide where... Uh, crushers win. It wasn't the ZBA. It wasn't the plan commission. It was Dave Glowatz. <laughs> I think uh, we should anyway. move on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I enjoyed that riff, except come on, Michelle Smith. You can do better than that. You know, that was an inside deal. Well, you it wasn't know, that, about paying the that bills. segment caused you to, to want to like, you know, sympathize with both sides. Well, if you think that one can make your head explode, <laughs> what you're going to hear now is like, it's just classic in that way. Uh, Dennis, we're going to do India next. So normally at the end of a city council meeting, there's a, a pro forma, there's like a bunch of things they do real quick. And one of them is the mayor calls for um, unfinished business. Is there any unfinished business? And the person that she's been asking that of recently is Alderman Greg Mitchell to be sort of the keeper of unfinished business. Now, normally there's none, but not this time. Unfinished was a resolution by 49th Ward Alderwoman, um, um, Maria Haddon, from whom we just heard, calling for condemnation of violence in India. And this unfinished business resulted in roughly a half hour of comment by 
I counted 16 aldermen, but we're not going to hear from all of them. I edited it down to sort of a medley of some, and let's listen. I'm aware of one item of unfinished business. It is a substitute resolution concerning the recognition of India's 74th anniversary of Independence Day and a call for condemnation of violence against certain castes and faith groups. I defer to Alderman Hatton. For months now, we've heard from public commenters about this resolution celebrating India's democracy. I introduced the original non-binding resolution in July after hearing concerns from the Indian government my office, working with the Chicago Coalition for Human Rights in India, agreed to make some changes out of consideration for those concerns. Our substitute resolution passed committee unanimously in February. I've also met with many people organizing the opposition to this non-binding resolution over the last couple of months. The main argument that they've brought to me as to why I should withdraw this resolution was that bringing up these issues causes conflict or disharmony here. Alderman Lopez. My office, as I'm sure many of yours, have received thousands, thousands of people communicating with us overwhelmingly in opposition to this resolution. Alderman Cardenas. Think of this. If we take this on, why not take on the Chinese Uyghur ethnic cleansing conflict debate? Why not deal with the Israeli-Palestinian conflict? How about Boko Haram in Nigeria and the exploitation of women and the raping of women and pillaging of villages? And we go on and on. Alderman Taliaferro. Is the law department available to opine as to the effects of a no vote or an abstention of vote in comparison to those two as an outcome on a favorable vote? I'm advised by the parliamentarian and we remind members that if you are present, you are required to vote yes or no. There is no voting present. Alderman Burnett. I had the opportunity to travel to India several years ago. And the only thing they can talk about to us is, why is your president involved in India? Why are they involved with Kashmir? Why are they involved with us fighting our brothers or our brothers and us not agreeing with each other? They were like, this is not your business. And, you know, we was like dumbfounded because we didn't know what they were talking about. Alderman Laspada. This is about our voices. This is about our solidarity. Solidarity never says we should stay out of this. Solidarity says there is oppression and injustice and intolerance happening, and we stand on the side of the oppressed. Alderwoman Rodriguez Sanchez. Leadership is about making decisions. It's about taking positions. And the idea that because we're in city council in Chicago and we're not in India and we cannot take a position on an issue of justice is very problematic to me. Alderman David Moore. When a very good friend of mine who I've known for years, who I know has a heart of gold, asked me not to vote for this, I had to give him a call and understand why. When he began to break this down to me, it was so complex that I needed to say, almost say, I need a subject matter hearing on this because I don't want to be on the wrong side of the issue here. And since we cannot abstain, we have to be strong enough to take a position. And because he's someone that I trust, who's a voice of passion that I've always trusted in the Indian community, and he asked me not to support this, I have to say no because I don't have enough information to say yes to go against somebody that I trust. 
profiles encouraged, Ben. Yes, we've talked about this a lot. Ramon Hussein, uh, regular guest on the Ben Drosky Show, every Friday on the Ben Drosky Show, Ramon Hussein, uh, editor, columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times, I think the first, first writer in Chicago to deal with this uh, in a column. We've talked about it several times on the show. She feels very passionately about this issue. She's a Muslim American, uh, and this gets into the repression uh, in India of Muslims by Hindus uh, in the Modi government. Uh, and then it gets complicated because then you can raise the subject of the issue of repression of Hindus in Pakistan. Uh, that's probably what David Moore heard. Uh, and I kind of sympathize with Alderman uh, Dave Glowatz. I really I am sympathetic with Alderman uh, on this point because it is a complicated situation. It involves a part of the world that most of them know nothing about. I know very little about it. Ramana Hussein has educated me a lot coming on this show. And you're trying to take the deep dive. There's people who feel passionately about this stuff on both sides. And they're gonna come at you and tell you, no, don't listen to Ramana Hussein. Or they're gonna tell you, yes, listen to Ramana Hussein. We heard, Alderman, Alderman, we heard Alderman Lopez say that they got thousands of contacts. On yeah, that. there was a great article in the Reader. I urge everybody to check that article out about the proliferation of uh, people from outside of Chicago weighing in on this. Uh, you know, the people from uh, Indiana and people from the suburbs, you know, about this resolution. And, it, and I don't know which Alderman it was that uh, made the comparison uh, to the Israeli Palestinian. Cardinals. Cardinals, because absolutely right. If they had a resolution uh, defending uh, Palestinian human rights, there would be an outcry from supporters of Israel. They'd be getting phone calls. They'd be reviewing the entire history of the Middle Eastern disputes, wars going back to 1948. You know, the the division of the land by the British. I mean, I mean, and you're an alderman. You're like. Uh, I did not sign up for foreign uh, affairs. And so they, Neil Steinberg wrote a column ripping the alderman. <laughs> was, I mean, it was a funny column. I got to admit, there were some funny lines. Uh, but I feel sorry for him. I'm I think sorry. Alder, Alderman Moore made a good point that he wants to his vote to count. And as we heard, which is something that I, I don't know that I actually ever thought before, or maybe I knew it, but never consciously acknowledge this is that city council members can't abstain from a vote if they're there they got to vote yes or no but so they've been known to sneak out which is easier in the age of video cameras right they can just like not be they can shut down their camera and you don't know like what the heck's going on by the way was it my imagination or was there the sound of a flushing toilet <laughs> The beginning of George Cardassus. I'm like, hello. Somebody just flushed the toilet. Come on, guys. He doesn't know he's going to be called. Anyway, but I would say this. Uh, I've Ramon Hussein has so passionately uh, talked about this issue uh, that I would have. Who was it? Oh, David Moore said his friend told him passionately why you should vote no. I've heard Ramon Hussein uh, talk about the issue and how what it means to her. I would have voted. I would have voted yes. I'm just to say that, and to a large degree, because Ramon Hussein is just such a powerful job of articulating why a yes vote would be necessary. I don't say I'm any smarter or more courageous than David Moore, who voted no on this particular issue. I don't say I'm a better person than, I don't know, I can't, who, I can't think of anybody. Ray Lopez, I don't know, did he vote no? I don't say that. I'm just saying that. 
We rely I'm, on people we trust to yes. help inform us about things that we don't know a lot about. You know, that's, that's well reasonable. Put. Well put. That was, that's, well, well, well put. The last thing is what happened with this, this resolution, is it didn't immediately go to a vote. Something else happened. Dennis, we're going to do quorum last. Then this is a trivia question. What number of city council members constitute a quorum for having a vote? God, I should know this. It's uh, wait, for, wait, time out. Hold it's it. Sim- it's simple. Oh, twenty uh, percent. No, simpler than that. Oh, none. Majority. Say that again. A majority, twenty-six. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fifty city council members, majority. Uh, according according to the city council's uh, rules and regulations. Dennis, when we uh, dropped this podcast, edit out the part where you didn't know <laughs> and then put this in. Uh, a simple not, majority, not, Dave. It's, not, it's, it's not a simple we, majority. Everybody like, knows that. It's kind of like, you know, abstaining. Like, who knew that, right? Well, here's what happened after that discussion we just heard. Let's listen. I don't mean to pick a fight with you, Mayor, but I don't see how if somebody doesn't vote that that would count as a yes or a no because people are out of this meeting by now. So people have already left. If you see them there and they're not saying nothing, that's one thing. But if they're not here, if it ends up being 21 and 19, one way or another, and 10 people didn't vote, I don't think the 21 carries because you didn't get enough votes. In light of Alderman Spazzato's last comments, I feel compelled to remind the council of the following. Rule 14, the first paragraph says, every member who shall be present when a question is slated from the chair shall vote thereon unless excused by the council. There is no provision in the city council rules uh, for voting present or being in your seat and remaining silent. Those are your rules. <laughs> Alderman Lopez. In recognizing that there are only 43 members on the Zoom call now, I'd like to call quorum before we go to the roll. With due respect, I would urge you to withdraw your motion for a quorum. I can see the members of the body, a vast majority of the members are logged on. I don't believe, based upon looking at the number of people that are logged on to this call, that a quorum call is necessary. But again, if you want to put your colleagues through a quorum call, followed by a roll call, then by all means, sir. What is your pleasure, sir? Quorum call, please. Madam Clerk. Thank you. So what happened was they did two separate roll calls. The first one showed there were 44 aldermen present, which the mayor said she could see because she's got, I think, as I mentioned in the past, this huge screen that shows all the aldermen on it. And the second roll call was the vote on the resolution, which failed 18 to 26. So what a, little a, great- bit, a little bit of like uh, Alderman Lopez, uh, not sure why he did that. Uh, who knows? We'll have to bring him on and ask him. But that's one of my, what is your pleasure, sir? That's the most uh, hostile, nice thing I've ever heard. She calls him, sir, what is your pleasure? But it's, it's, it's done in such a way to let the world know, I cannot stand this man. I can't stand Raylo. The courtesy I, of Robert's rules. And then, yeah, she knows, for, you got to give Lori, you got to give Raylo credit. These guys like mastered the rule book. Of course, there's some, probably some lawyer leaning into uh, Lori Lightfoot's here. But wait, a rule 14, as you know. Wow, man. Whatever they go to the part of Robert's Rules, rule 14 of the city council rules says this. I got to give I get, credit. You know, I, I got to retract what I just said. You know, uh, thinking about it, 
Yes. The, the alderman, as far as I know, is the, I'm sorry, the mayor is the only person on in that meeting who, who has the technical capability to see all the other participants. I'm, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure of that. Like, I don't know if they're set up, like each alderman can see all 51 other screens, you know, if they had a screen big enough. So, I, I, you know, if you're, if you're just Ray Lopez sitting there on your laptop, you don't know if, you know, how many have, because it's five hours into the meeting at this point. Yeah. You know what? It's five miles. It's like, what do they say? In for nickel, in for dime. You're in for five hours of a meeting. It's not the end of the world to do a quorum call. It's not uh, as if you had to go downtown either. No. So, right. You're just at home anyway. And some people are on the toilet. Uh, apparently. <laughs> Well, that's but, all I got, Ben. Uh, you know what? Don't say all I got. That was, but uh, studio audience, give it up. There we go. They are, they're on their feet. They're, they're flush with uh, satisfaction. Oh, <laughs> he's got a million of them. Not only is he a bike rider and a I can city hall correspondent, yeah, yeah. he's got a million jokes. Yeah, my my uh, jokes are tanking. So Dave Go asked before you head out the door, tell folks where they can follow all your other great work. And uh, here's some more of your insights regarding Chicago government. Well, find some of those at a website called Inside Chicago Government, that's C-H-I-G-O-V.com. If you're on Facebook, you can go to facebook.com slash insidegov, that's G-O-V, and on Twitter at C-H-I-G-O-V-T. Very good. Thank you uh, so much, Dave. That was outstanding, as always. Dave Goetz uh, with his uh, bits that he plays from the Chicago City Council. That medley at the end, uh, was quite a riff to end. It's like the fireworks, the the grand finale of, of the fireworks on the 4th of July. Like a White Sox game. Like a White Sox can go, Sox go. Anyway, uh, Dave Glotz, thank you very much. Uh, and uh, that is our show for today. I want to thank Dave Glotz again for doing an outstanding job. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of all in Illinois. And hey, whom this- we got to wish a happy birthday to somebody. Ooh. You know who? No. Oh, some Ooh. some friend you are. Happy birthday to Monroe Anderson. Oh, uh, wasn't that yesterday? Well, I mean, it was I mean we still didn't say it. <laughs> okay. Hold on. He's still working on that story, lady. He had to write a book. Ben, I have to write a book. I can't come on the show. He's busy writing. Don't he you interrupted his writing with that happy birthday greeting, okay? The poor guy is hard at work. Sorry, Monroe, focus, focus. Focus, Monroe. Anyway, he's going to finish that book sooner or later. Yes. Happy belated birthday, because I believe it was yet. I'm pretty sure. I'm 99.9% sure it was yesterday. Uh, so anyway, happy birthday, Monroe. And again, where was I? Oh, yes. The man, the myth, the legend, the pride of Joe of Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. And as Ray Lopez and Mayor Lightfoot will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. 